everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. And while I have plenty of honey, I have not yet started cooking, but am remarkably calm. Good morning, folks, even though I just tripped over remarkably, but I promise you I am calm. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by a number of people in the studio this morning. We have Avrami behind the board. We have Danny Goldberg, who is sitting here to my left, and uh, makes it to the studio every morning before I do. Call a kavod to Danny. And actually, my boss is in the studio also. There's nothing more fun than doing your show in front of Nachum Siegel, i got to tell you. doesn't add any more stress. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. And if Mary Mel Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, you can friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I, will, I am not being rude. I will get back to you, please God, after the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's NahumSiegelNet, all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach, all one word as well. My thanks. My thanks to our friends at Cedar Market for hosting our pre-Rosh Hashanah celebration. Aaron Hertz, Yossi Hollander, they are, as always, a pleasure to deal with. We appreciate their continued support. We ask you to support them as well, Cedar Market and Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, as we ask you to support all of our sponsors who help us make sure to bring you the best possible programming. My thanks is also, my thanks as well, I should say, to Simcha Liner and our friends at the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra for providing incredible musical performances this morning. It was really, really, Simcha Liner is amazing. What a voice. And uh, to all our friends who joined us as well, Roy Cho, Rabbi Steve Berg, really was a great show this morning. But as expected from Nachum Siegel, it is a great show. You would not expect any different, and I would say that even if he wasn't sitting right here in front of me. Also, I just want to let everyone know that I ordered my Rosh Hashanah cards from my friends at Aleh, we have had people from Aleh on before, Dove Hearth and members of the team at Aleh Negev. You can go to Aleh.org. Not only was I able to wish my friends and family a Shana Tova, but I also helped an organization that I have seen in action and am completely in awe of. So you can go to Aleh.org and order your Rosh Hashanah cards as well. And like I said, I would. Ooh, now we're getting packages here at the studio. As I said I would, I ordered my Rosh Hashanah gift for a friend of mine in Seattle from Yachad Gifts. I went to yachadgifts.com. I used the coupon code, that's life, no spaces, no apostrophe. And I sent a beautiful Rosh Hashanah gift to my friend Judy Maiman, who lives in Seattle. So, Judy, if you're listening, keep an eye out for it. And if you're not listening, please, nobody tell Judy that I sent her something for the new year. Let's go through the national holidays. It is Hug a Greeting Card Writer Day. Frankly, don't know any, but if you know one, today is their day. It's also National Ceiling Fan Day, which goes for anybody who has terrible dust and asthma, because that's really got to go well. It's National Respect Day. It is World Water Monitoring Day. I have no idea what that means. It's National Cheeseburger Day, which frankly doesn't apply to me for multiple reasons. And it's also Chiropractor Founders Day, Chiropractic Founders Day. I am a believer in chiropractors, so that's all I can tell you. It's also, by the way, Child Passenger Safety Week. If you have car seats in your car that have not been installed properly or you're not sure that they've been installed properly, because I guess how would you know, you can go to your local fire department or your local police department to check that they have been correctly installed and that you are actually doing the right thing with your car seat. And I can tell you that as a person who has 
gone to my local police department, I was schooled in just how incorrectly I had been doing it. There's no point in having a car seat for your kids, frankly, if you're not putting it in properly in the first place. And um, booster seats, I just heard a report on the news about booster seats and how actually how late into a child's life they should be used um, regardless of the child's age. It's obviously dependent on height and weight. So it is Child Passenger Safety Week. I also want to mention that next week is Banned Books Week. And it is the the English teacher in me that needs to remind everyone how much I love all literature and um, how I wrote my thesis on a banned book and I defend it from I defended it from censorship in my thesis. So banned books week is something that I take very seriously. Fortune cookie, folks. Let's get to that fortune cookie before our first guest is available on the phone. I do not want to keep him waiting. Ah, okay. Hey, this is a good one. I may eat this cookie. It's a good one. You ready? Success lies in the hands of those who want it. That's beautiful. My only problem with this is that there's a grammar mistake because it actually says success lies in the hands of those who want it. So I'll give Confucius a pass because I happen to really like the, um, I really like the fortune, but um, a little bit more quality control I'm thinking in terms of the people who Write the fortune cookies. Oh, and by the way, one more shout-out before our first guest. A shout-out to Matzis Weingast, who was not happy with my redo of the ice water challenge. But frankly, Matzis, I have I've exhausted the Shaitel, um budget for this month, and so we're just going to have to take one for the team and be happy with what I did. And if you would like to do your own ice bucket challenge, I'd be happy to come video it. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nakam Seal Network, and we're ready for our first guest. Alan Rosenstock of Tomchei Shabbos of uh, Rockland County. I actually have it down as Muncie, but on the website it looks like of Rockland County. Joins me on the phone this morning. Good morning, Alan. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm thank you. And yourself, thanks for having me. Oh, an absolute pleasure. So I'm looking at this beautiful website, and actually I would like to thank our friends at Rusty Brick, who were the shadchan for this interview. I don't I don't know that they get shadchaneskelt for this, Alan, but that's completely up to you. They do beautiful work. They really do. They do, and they're a pleasure to work with. And I'm looking at this website, and it's really quite a beautiful website. And I, I want to take a step back, because while everyone has heard the name Tomche Shabbos and understands peripherally or on a surface level what Tomche does, let's have a bit of a primer. All right. Well, everyone knows that Tomche Shabbos delivers food on Thursday night to uh, impoverished families, Taniyam. Well, that's obvious. But at Tomche Shabbos of Rockland County, which is a Muncie community, um, we try to reach back and do a whole lot more for them. We do free job placements. We'll do job training. We have semesters. We have all volunteer teachers, and we do anything we can to help these families. And the and the team that you work with on a Thursday night consists of how many? Because oh, that's when the packing takes place, right? Right. Hundreds of volunteers. And if you go on the website, that as you said, Rusty Brick did just uh, did a beautiful job with. Uh, it gives you an idea, sense of the magnitude of how many people from how many backgrounds right. come out to make a difference. A lot of unsung heroes, and hundreds of them. And we're talking about what age group? Is there primarily one targeted age that helps on a, on a Thursday? Nope. Um, the <laughs> only rule is if you're 16, if you're below 16, you have to come with your uh, parent. But there are many people, grandparents and grandchildren working side by side. You'll have Rabayim working alongside with automobile mechanics, working <laughs> alongside with the yeshiva boy. And they all just come out together, all ages, and we work together. This is something that everyone can get together on. This is, it, this is a, a stuck in the very purest form. 
in terms of being able to literally provide food, the actual food, and giving it to somebody and placing it on their doorstep. That's correct. And when you said that you try and help the, ver- the all elements of the family or wherever the family is, is, is in need of help, what do you mean? Well, um, the Rambam cites that the single highest level of uh, tzedakah is to see if you can provide them with a, with a livelihood, with a panasa. So rather than just go ahead and, you know, I guess, put your finger in the dike and give them food on Thursday night, I know this sounds a little harsh, but in some ways a box of food on the door on Thursday night represents a failure. And we sat down and said, with all these hundreds of volunteers, can't we make a difference in a more significant way and help them so they don't need this help? And that's how we came involved in, we just did our 128th job placement. Wow. Um, it's amazing. And just lots and lots of volunteers all making a difference. And we ask everyone the same thing. How can you make a difference? Where is your core strength? We need it. So, so Tom Hay is no longer just about the delivery of the food. And by the way, I'm not minimizing that. Please, please don't take it that way. But right now we are looking at, to continue the metaphor, so to speak, a total package kind of assistance. It's not just that you're providing the food, but you want to enable families to not need the food packages anymore. That's correct. It's interesting that up here in Muncie, Tunkley Shabbos takes a holistic approach, and we're about addressing all needs of the honey and hopefully make sure they don't become an honey. But almost 100% of the budget is geared towards emergency food relief. Really? Correct. What kind of an annual budget are we looking at? It exceeds $2.3 million right now. Wow. It's unfortunate, but the need is great. And the need keeps growing. Every day, every year, um, utility bills keep going up, tuitions keep rising, the cost of living keeps going up, and incomes do not keep, a go- don't keep pace. And in the last number of years, have you seen a considerable uptick? In the, in, the, in the number of families who have turned to Tomche and said, listen, I didn't need your help before, but I do now? Considerably. It's, it's, you know, today we're helping approximately 475 families each week. I remember it seemed like yesterday that we're maybe 100, 120, and it, it keeps growing precipitously, and we don't have the answer. We just keep addressing it case by case and uh, to the best of our ability, and we are making a difference, but we need more people involved. Where do you see the difference being made? And I'm not questioning it in a million years. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but it's often hard when you're so involved in the trenches and you're, and you're in there with a tzedakah and you're working so intimately with people to see that, that, that progress is being made. So where do you see that at Tomche? The, the project that's helped us the most and the one that's most meaningful and made the biggest difference to the families is where people adopt a family. People actually, it's called invite a family to your home for Shabbos. But it's, it's, well, I'm sorry, it's called invite a family for Shabbos, not to your home. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what happens is you have someone, and we have people from around the world that have, that have gotten in touch with us on this, and they'll say, you know what, I would like to sponsor a family, which is not a lot of money. It's $50 every week. That's what it costs us. That's a rough out-of-pocket. Now, the price of food goes up and down, but that's an average cost of a week to provide family for Shabbos. So um, they'll contact us and say, you know, can, can we sponsor a family? And then we'll get in touch with them and say, okay, it's great, thank you very much, but let me hear more about your family, and maybe we can make it a more meaningful sponsorship. Tell us about how old are your children, maybe. Someone just recently from out of state requested a child of special needs, because they have a child of special needs. Hmm. And we, we try to line up the family, right? We have a coordinator, and the only thing we don't do is the family does not show up your door. They're in their own home. 
and we don't, and, and the, the relationship only works one way. You're not going to be able to know their name, but they know of your generosity. And someone just recently, I, I think this past week, who sponsored a, a family now for every week going for a while, told me that every week when she lights Neiris Shabbos, she remembers what it was like to be a recipient of Tomei Shabbos in her youth, and she lights Neiris, and she looks at her children, and she knows that there's another family somewhere else, and she doesn't know who they are, but she knows that they're her guests for Shabbos. Wow. It's such a meaningful thing. And then people take this relationship further. Some people will say, you know what? For Pesach, I want to send them a special gift. They'll send it to us, and we'll forward it to them. Wow. I have the chills. I really have the chills. That's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity that, that people are being afforded. And how many people know about this opportunity? I mean, I see it on your website and, and, um, and just the, the name, calling it Invite a Family for Shabbos, is obviously misleading, but understanding with the button underneath that you're adopting a family on a weekly basis. How many people have already taken the opportunity to take part in this mitzvah? Oh, I have no idea. You know, every day um, there are more. You know, on an average day, I just see a slew of of people on, that, that respond. I just get copied to the email as it goes by, but I wouldn't know how. I myself don't respond to it. There's someone that does nothing at Tom Shabbos but touch base with these families and talk to them about what they're, you know, about their family composite and try to line up the right things. I would not have. I would have no idea how many, but there's so many each day. Wow, beautiful. Beautiful. Let's talk for a second, by the way, about the community that Tom Shabbos of Rockland County um, services. Tell me, we're not just talking about Muncie. Tell me about the, the, the greater geography here. Well, it's known of all of, uh, as all of Rockland County, which includes New Square, it includes Spring Valley, it includes Suffern, it includes uh, Muncie, of course. Now, Muncie alone has 10,000 families. And uh, we, you know, we turn down no requests from anyone, you know, wherever they are. And we get requests from far and wide, as long as it falls into our geographic boundaries, we're there to help them. And you know how many families don't even accept the help because they used to be very successful? Mm. So what they'll do is they'll call us at an off night, maybe at 11 o'clock on a night, uh, on, say, a Monday night. I'll get a phone call on my cell. And it'll be a gentleman says, I'm out shopping. And I said, fine, I'll meet you. That means that his family can't know he gets some Shabbos. His daughters that are in Shidduch age oh, wow. will not know, and we just meet each other at the warehouse. I've already gotten it down to science. They try not to turn on the lights in the warehouse. Just use whatever minimal light there is from the car's headlights that play from the outside, and quietly the person takes what he needs. He goes away. We exchange as few words as possible. I go away, and it never happened. Wow. And there's so many families like that. And and does that does that leave you feeling... Um, I, I shouldn't put the words in your mouth. How does that leave you feeling after those moments? There has to be a certain amount of pride in the fact that you are able to, um, to, to prevent any any negative feelings on behalf of the recipient, or more, just to protect that person's pride and, and ego in a case like this. I can honestly tell you, I feel no personal pride. If this pride is communal, and I have to remember one thing: the single only reason that I'm on my side of the door and they're on their side of the door is the fact that Hashem places us on each side of the door. And at times like that, I try to remember that I am no smarter a businessman than they are. I'm no more accomplished, more accomplished an individual than they are. But there's a famous Gemara that says Hashem places everyone on each side of the door, and it's in the Sayon. So all I'm doing is what I hope others would do if the tables were to be turned Chasu Shalom. And it's, it's, it's just what we as a community, it's a challenge. It's an asylum. It's how we're supposed to be responding. They did nothing wrong, but it's 
we are challenged to do everything right. And we hope that in times of need that the community will respond. And clearly, Tomre Shabbos of Rockland County is responding. Let's talk about how the needs change before the Yom Tovim. Obviously, this is crunch time. Is um, tell me tell me what your needs look like this time of year. Oh, it's tremendous. Sukkot will cost us at the minimum one hundred thousand dollars, which is relatively small versus the Pesach, which is a half a million dollars. But the, you know, the needs past that—that's our actual out-of-pocket to provide food to these families. But let's talk about needs past that. Over the last three weeks, I received three phone calls: families, homeless, nowhere to go, and we didn't have the money. Uh, I always say, if I can go to sleep afterwards. Uh, there's something wrong with me. I get the most tragic phone calls. And that's the challenge. Do we have the funding to respond to needs like that? I got a phone call from someone at Beth Israel Hospital. He was checking his son in. He himself is undergoing chemotherapy. His son had an emergency brain tumor. Wow. And there they were at the front, and there was a shortage of money. Um, it was a complex situation. Um, I have something called insider trading. If someone is very close with me, I'll pick up the phone. I call them. I say, are you in? You out. <laughs> um, I had $1,500 and needed on the spot. I picked up the phone. The fellow said, in. It's mine. I want this a chus. But there are more cases than there are uh, funds available now. And it's very, very difficult. The fact that there's, there's three families that I know of that are homeless, families living in cars. Well, that we're not doing enough, are we? And we need to do more. Each of us has to reach into ourselves and say, what else can I do? Have I done my, my best? Wow. Oh, my gosh. Families living in cars. I... We had a husband and wife that were living in an office. He had a heart attack, and uh, he couldn't work anymore. Uh, he had, they gave him some menial job, and they actually bunked out in the office. I don't know if they're still there, but the last time I checked, they were. Wow. They bunked out in an office. Wow. What do you think the total accumulated debt of the kosher supermarkets is in the Muncie community? Muncie's relatively small. The last time we checked, it was $3.6 million of bills sitting there unpaid, mostly by families that are incapable of paying it. So there are enough challenges out there so each of us can and must rise to the occasion. And that's all it is. You know something? I always say I don't know any great people. I know common people that do great things. Mm, that's a good quote. And that's what the warehouse is all about. It's just lots and lots of people. It starts packing at the warehouse, but then they come over to me and say, okay, how can I make a difference? I can find someone a job. I can teach someone Excel. We found someone a job. The person had to know pivot tables. I don't know what a pivot table is. <laughs> I, I sent out an email. So a, a computer teacher said that's an Excel function. He taught the person p- pivot tables. The fellow got a very good job in a corporation in Secaucus. Thank God. But that's what it's all about. It cost them nothing. This man didn't charge. He volunteered. He stepped forward. What is a chos? Me ka'amcha Yisrael. That's correct. It's an amazing opportunity. Each and every one of us can be and must be a giant. There's so many zechuyos out there waiting for us. It's so simple. The fact that I'm doing this interview now, I'm the least qualified of anyone. Anyone can do what I'm doing or anything else. They can come down to the warehouse, replicate anything I'm doing. It's totally open to everyone's involvement. Yes, but Alan, you heed the call, and that's the difference. And that's something that we want our listeners to know, is that there are opportunities out there not only to volunteer your time and to volunteer your levels of expertise, but in this case, to make a major difference in a family's life on a weekly basis for $50. That was, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. all it costs us. All I have to do is say, I want to sponsor a family. Hashem gave me enough for my family. I would like to sponsor a family. And it's a very meaningful thing. Right. 
Right. It's, it absolutely certainly is. You can go to tocheshabbos.org. There's a big red button on the top right-hand corner that says Donate Now. And there are a number of different programs where you can specifically donate or, as in we've been discussing, you can adopt a family. Let's just talk for one second because I, I see that there are two other links here if, if you have another moment that I just want to touch on for a second. We have Shiva Financial Assistance. I think people don't recognize that families who are sitting Shiva were, would would have certain needs. And also... On the total flip side of that, making a simcha and donating to that campaign. So let's take one at a time. Let's talk about the Shiva financial assistance. Okay, let me first back up a bit. Okay. You spell Tomche without the I. So people that are looking ah, at our right. website, it would be Tomche Shabbos. And I always say leave the I for savings. <laughs> Save the I for another dot, time. .org. T-O-M-C-H-E-S-H-A-B-B-O-S dot org. Right. This Shiva campaign is such a beautiful campaign, and it was actually started by Kahala Dasi Shuran the Broya community in Washington Heights. What happens is when people sit Shiva, uh, the Kitzra says, woe to the community where someone cannot sit Shiva properly because they're concerned about their Pandasa. So what they do in Washington Heights, and we've adopted it here, it's such a beautiful minog. We give people an envelope, and in the envelope are hundreds of dollars. And then we give them a wooden box that has a slit in it, and the box is locked. And the letter says, if you, would like, if you have any need for the money, please take it. If you do not need the money, slide it into the box. We have many boxes that all look precisely the same, and we only open them on occasion. Due to that, no one will ever know who did and who did not take. Wow. It's a beautiful thing. It's very sad, but that wow. people just can't sit shiva. They, they, their, their mind is so concerned about how to get through the shiva without the electricity being shut off. Hmm. So we can't take credit for doing that. That's a beautiful Broya community with a wonderful level of Hatznei Alechas. All we've done is adopt their beautiful minog and brought it to Munsi. Well, it certainly is something worthy of adopting. That's incredible. Yes, it is. It really is incredible. That's that's unbelievable. And talk about the making of a simcha. Oh, that was beautiful. That's Mrs. Erica Shulman. That, if you know the famous Mr. Avi Shulman, Rabbi Avi Shulman, this is his wife. Sure. Uh, Mrs. Erica Shulman. And she came up with this idea that at a time when you're making a simcha, why don't you make a simcha for another family as well? Many people, when they're making a Shabbat Shabbat Go back to the same concept. It's $50 a week. Unfortunately, we have uh, you know, many families that are in need. You know what? We would like to have all the, we would like 10 families, 5 families, 100 families. They should be guests at our Sheva Brachas, but they're going to be in their home. So can they be our guests? Right. And we have many such situations. People make a bar mitzvah. Everyone finds a different way to get, have that niyam share in the simcha. I know that there, is, um, there, there are people that will say, can you supplement what you usually give them I'd like to buy 475 cakes. Everyone should get a cake from my son's bar mitzvah. Hmm. It's great. Just everyone can Beautiful. invent how they want that yim to participate in their simcha. Everyone can invent their own way of doing it, and we love it, and we, and we participate in all of them. We'll, we'll work it out for them. Beautiful. Beautiful. That really is Yotzei Menachal. You should know, by the way, that I consider Tomche one of those organizations that wishes it doesn't need to exist. We we certainly depend on it as community. We thank God that you're around. But I imagine, Alan, that 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 your goal obviously is to make sure that the 475 families that you service would not need your services anymore. Oh, amen. That would be wonderful. Tomcheshabbos.org. T O M C H E S H A B B O S dot org. Make sure to invite a family for Shabbos. It will cost you only $50, but it will make a huge impact in somebody else's life. Alan Rosenstock, Kol Kavod to you. I wish you a Shana Tova. My best wishes to you and yours, and Kol Kavod for your wonderful work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, and have a good Gebenz Yark. Sivach Simatova. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kol Bye-bye.
You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I am pleased to invite on my second guest. She is usually someone we have behind the scenes. She's Yehudit Singer. She is my contact at Corin Publishers. She is somebody who has actually become more of a more than a contact, but a true friend. And in conversation with Yehudit the other day, she revealed to me that she was at a major chavaya, a major happening in Israel, and I couldn't believe it. But I wanted to hear all about it and talk about it on the air. Yehudit, are you there? I am here, Miriam. Thank How you. are you? I am well, Yehudit. Thanks so much for joining me. So it is Thursday morning, and this happened last week, correct? Yeah, it happened last Motei Shabbat. Okay, so I am going to reveal to everyone that the first time for the Nachum Siegel Network to mention the words Lady Gaga, we're here <laughs> <laughs> on That's Life, here on this Thursday morning, uh, September 18th. It is a day that will live in infamy because Yehudi, wait a minute, there's there's candy being eaten here very early in the morning. Um, Yehudi was at the Lady Gaga concert in Tel Aviv. Oh, my God. Get ready, everyone. <laughs> All right, batten down the hatches. So, of course, one of my first questions is going to be simply because we know what Lady Gaga has been known to wear at concerts, and frankly, we imagine that somebody who was a consultant looked at her and said, listen, you can't come to the to the concert in Tel Aviv in your egg pod. So what right. was what was she wearing? Um yes, yeah, she's known to be pretty provocative all around, that's for sure. Um I thought that she was going to tone things down. Um and if what she wore at the concert was toned down, then I don't really want to know what <laughs> she wears at other concerts. But um you know, she changed her costumes between every song. Wow. And her costumes were, you know, wild and crazy and colorful. Nothing to actually, no, they were kind of revealing now that I think of it. <laughs> um, but very fun, colorful, crazy, the usual stuff. No meat, though. No I don't meat. Think she, she did yeah. not wear her meat probably because it would be a whole cautious issue, you know? Right. And just she gross. Badass, Rabanu, so she just decided not to do that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame her. That's a whole nother can of worms, so to speak. Yeah, for <laughs> yes. Lady, for Lady Gaga, it's basically Purim every day. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it, huh? Yeah, it does, cause, cause, um, I have yet to see her on a best dressed list, shall we say. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. In the in those features in People magazine where they say who wore it best, she's never listed under the best column. So Lady Gaga performs in Tel Aviv. Tell me what the crowd was like. This is not her first performance, correct? No, this was I think it was her second performance. She was here five or six years ago. Um I did not attend that concert. Um and this time there was a big mix of people who were there. Um, this is one of the things that I love about going to concerts in Israel because it is such a melting pot. You really get a sense of the diversity within Israeli society when you go to these things. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. I mean, you see, um, you know, secular, you see religious, you, you see kipot, you see, you know, mitpachot, like with tichels and whatever. You see, you know, young people, old people, children. There's, Ethiopians, Russians, everything, everything. It's Incredible. such a melting pot. It's fantastic. And then there's Marav during the intermission. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. What, one of the things, one of my, like, um, you know, spiritual awakenings at this concert was the fact that we were able to keep Shabbos and get there on time to still get the whole concert. Wow. 
And, you know, that is something that I was never able to do in the States. It never even came to mind to be able to do something like that. So, you know, they may, and they even um, announced it in all of the newspapers that Lady Gaga would be starting an hour and a half after Shabbat to allow people who keep Shabbat to get to the concert on time. Amazing. Amazing. What yeah, a sign of res- cool. What a sign of respect. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's, it was it was really like a, an only in Israel moment. Right. No, that's for sure. There's um there was a concert announced here in New York for a band that I'm uh, of which I'm a big fan and the concert is Erev Rosh Hashanah. So somebody right. I had mentioned it to said to me, "Well, how important is this Rosh Hashanah?" I'm like, "You know, it's up there." So yeah. um <laughs> right. So no one is considering whether or not the Jews in New York are going to be able to attend, but obviously and I shouldn't say obviously, but it's it is refreshing, comforting, inspiring to know that Lady Gaga and her handlers were, were definitely taking this into into account. Yeah, I mean, they, they had opened the doors or opened the gates that, you know, earlier on. So whoever did not keep Shabbat, was, they were able to go and, you know, get good seats or, you know, take a get, take a, get a good scene of the uh, stage. So I think doors opened at 6.30 and then they had a, an opening band for an hour or two. But she didn't come on until about quarter to ten at night. So way after, it was nice to be able to get that. Way yeah, after, way after Shabbat. Exactly, ended. way after Havdalah. So tell me what, um, so tell me, I, I think this is probably a strange question in words that I'm not sure I've ever been in this in, uh, together in the same sentence. But is Lady Gaga a Zionist? That's a good question. Um, I would say the very fact that she came to Israel especially after um, after being in a war all right. summer. The fact that she is such a superstar and stuck to her word and kept her commitment and came to Israel after this time when just a few weeks ago there were, you know, rockets falling mm-hmm. and air raid sirens going off in the very city where she performed. Right. That, to me, says that she is a Zionist, mm-hmm. that she is pro-Israel, and she definitely appreciates the fan base that she has here. That's incredible. So tell me what. Tell me some yeah. of the things that she said. Tell me what she spoke about. Tell me. Tell me everything. So I I just found her to be so inspiring. I mean, the minute she got up on stage, she was really very excited, and she opened up saying a Hebrew phrase, and she got up there and she said, "Anio hevet etchem," you know, and she said, "Shalom." And she mixed in all these different Hebrew phrases, and of course the crowd went wild. So right. that alone was really nice, and it also shows, I think, that she, you know, made an effort to engage with the crowd and recognize where she was. Um, and she, at a certain point, she looked out at the crowd, and she um, she said that um, I'm just trying to remember. Um, she looked up at us and said. You know, you're strong, Israel. We, lo- I-, I love you, Israel. Mm. You're confident. You're strong. You're brave. Wow. I love Israel. Wow. And I got, I-, I got chills. It sounds crazy to say such a thing because I'm talking about Lady Gaga, right? <laughs> like, that's, it's Lady right. Gaga, right? But she is the pop, the big, one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. Yep. She has a tremendous following. Social media, you know, her Twitter feed alone has like you know, 14 million followers, you right. know. On a slow and day. for her, yeah. yeah, exactly. 
And there were all these performers who were supposed to come out here this summer. And everyone gets so excited when a pop star comes out here. And between, you know, between the war and the fighting and all the air raid sirens constantly, I think, you know, morale was really down for the whole summer. And we joked about it. We, we were saying that Hamas stole our summer. Hmm. And um, so the fact that she could get up on stage and say, you're brave. You people are confident. Be yourselves. I love you. That, to me, was so inspiring because, you know what, that's more than any other head of state has said. It's more than any of our politicians have said, you know. And to hear it with somebody with such influence, I just, I looked at my friend and I thought, wow, that is so amazing. I got to tell you, she has a newfound, I have a newfound respect for her. Um, after listening, because I can't say that I'm a fan of her music, and I will admit that I did make fun of other people on Facebook who were going to the concert. Um, <laughs> yeah. shout, shout out to my cousins. But um, but to hear to hear those words coming out of, as you said, as a person with that kind of star power, that kind of firepower, I mean, that's, that's serious stuff. That's putting your yeah. money where your mouth is. That's really just, uh, just wow. Yeah, and, and not only that, but I think, you know, beyond what was going on over here in Israel over the summer, there have been, there's been such an increase in anti-Semitic acts all over the world, you know, and we have a lot of enemies out there, and unfortunately, many of our friends are very quiet about mm. being our friends, yeah. and I feel at this point, like, you know, it really puts things in perspective, and when you're, when you're at an event like this, and you see the superstar saying just one sentence like that, it made me realize, like, wow, we really have to be thankful for every friend that we have, you know. Wow. And I'm not going to comment on, you know, her lyrics or <laughs> her, you know, provocative outfits or whatever. But the fact that she did not back down and, and came here and had that message, I just, I was so inspired by it. And that she stayed for Shabbos. I mean, think about that. Think, no, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about I'm Listen, I don't, I'm not worried if she lit candles or not or, you know, made hamotzi. That's not what I'm saying. But she... She she could have done it on a Thursday night and left. She could have done it on a Sunday on you know a Sunday come in come out. But she was there for Shabbos, or at least I'm assuming that she was there for Shabbos. And and there's yeah something- I don't know yeah I don't know when she flew in, but I I know that I, I think she was here for like a day or two, and it also does a lot for the um you know for the Israeli economy as well. Yeah, you know, they they rent out a lot of space in the hotels, and there are people who come in. Think about it. You know, I was thinking about this at the concert that. Um, you know, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, right? Right. And considering the strict um, Muslim laws that the other that our neighboring countries have, I don't know if she would have been able to perform the way that she performed here. Mm. And so I know that there are people who come in from other countries when some of these superstars come to Israel. Really? So yeah, yeah, people come in from Greece and from Turkey. Um, you know, sometimes from Europe, you know, because there are major fans that come in. So wow. she was here for a few days, um, and I think now she's in Greece. But, yeah, like she was here for the weekend, and she was talking about how much she loves Tel Aviv. Huh. So it was great. Well, she and I, <laughs> therefore, have something in common, don't we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Yehudit Singer, I-, I can't thank you enough, first of all, again, for everything that you do for us with Cohen Publishers and your support, et cetera, and for joining My me pleasure. on the air, for joining me on the air to talk about this. This was so much fun. I wish you anytime. I, and I don't know that I'll be speaking to you again before the Yom Tovim, so I want to wish you a Gemar Chatimatova, Shana Tova, 
Thank you. You too. It's all our be best a wonderful wishes. year for, for all of you and for all of your listeners and for Ami Israel. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Miriam. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my third and final guest also joining me from Israel. It's Josh Halkman, the sports rabbi. He has been on with me before. He's been on with Nachum before. And frankly, there is so much going on in the NFL and in sports in general. And in connection with Elul, who knew, it was time to have on Rabbi Josh Halkman. Good morning, sports rabbi. What's going on, Miriam? How are you, sir? Doing very well here in Israel. Yeah. No complaints. I, I imagine because these uh, members of the NFL don't live in your country, but they live in mine. It's it's bad news by the NFL. I don't know if they can get into any more hot water than they're in right now, but every day there seems to be another story that just ceases to amazes me along with the rest of the sports world and the world in general. So I want to talk about this, and I want to start from the beginning because I, I think there might be two or three people on the planet who don't actually know what's going on in the NFL. And truth be told is that we do have an international audience, and not everyone lives here in the United States. So let's take a step back. Why don't you give everyone an update as to what's been going on? Unfortunately, there's been a bunch of cases of NFL players, for example, Ray Rice, a Baltimore Ravens star running back, who uh, there was a domestic abuse issue and kind of uh, people knew about it. A few months ago, the NFL decided to suspend him for a couple of games. There was no, uh, at the time, nobody really knew exactly what happened. He said he had knocked out his uh, his uh, former fiance, now his wife. But again, no video to back it up. At the time, the NFL suspends him for two games. All of a sudden, TMZ produces a video from uh, the casino elevator that they were at that shows the actual cold cock punch by Ray Rice to his uh, fiance, knocks her totally out cold, yanks her and drags her out into the, uh, the hallway of the casino floor. People were kind of shocked with this, and uh, I think it was just horrifying. I don't know if you've seen the video of it, but I've seen the extended version, and that's just it's just brutal. That was case number one. People went crazy. All of a sudden, the NFL goes down and... Uh, suspends him basically indefinitely, and then, of course, the Baltimore Ravens release him, and the NFL has no guaranteed contract, so that was that's it for Ray Rice. Hmm. All of a sudden, Adrian Peterson, right. a star running back for the Minnesota Vikings, he uh, gets into a little trouble because he stick-whips his four-year-old son, and um, he's under investigation right now and could be charged, and all kinds of activities going there. The Vikings keep him active, but finally... Folding to the pressure of uh, the public and of sponsors, the uh, the Vikings and the NFL put him on a uh, suspended list. He goes down. They also have Greg Hardy for the Carolina Panthers. He's assaulting a female. The list goes on and on. You know, it's funny. You know, it's not funny. It's sad. I put in the name Hardy before just to do a little more research on Greg Hardy. Pops up a former NFL player by the name of James Hardy. Well, he's been arrested for police assault. He played in the NFL a few years ago trying to make it back in. So unfortunately, there seems to be a rash of these things, and uh, the NFL is in deep trouble, and so is Commissioner Roger Goodell. There's an article that I posted yesterday on Twitter from NBC News about 12 NFL players who have domestic violence arrests. And according to a USA Today database, um, they track players' arrests since the year 2000. There have been there are 12 different NFL players since 2005 who have all been arrested for domestic 
domestic violence or related charges? You know, that pro- that number is probably even higher of right. actual domestic abuse. Those are only the arrests. And those are the only ones that are um, reported, correct, because as yeah. we know, there are so many domestic violence incidents that do not go reported. And obviously when um, one of the people involved is somebody who is of high profile and also has potential to make a lot of money, a number of times we can make the assumption that um, that the incident is either swept under the rug or, or people try and move past it in their personal lives because they don't want to jeopardize what looks like the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, unfortunately, the NFL tried to do by giving Ray Rice a couple of games, brush it under the rug. You know, he goes off to the little suspension, comes back, um, he earns his money, the NFL's happy, sponsors are happy, the NFL dealt with it, and then when this video comes out, the NFL's making every excuse in the book, oh, we never saw it, we never got it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the AP traced the tape back to the NFL offices that was sent. And, you know, one law, unfortunately, leads to another. And I think that's one of the big messages I see, especially in this time for Elul, is that, you know, we should be honest, we should be truthful, we should be telling the truth. I've seen so many times, be it in personal life, business, sports world, public, one lie, even if it's a white lie, seems to lead to another and then another, and then it just snows, snowballs, and we're seeing that exactly now. And, um, you know, the NFL, I think, really has to take a step back and do a little bit of tshuva. First, they have to do a little hezbon nefesh. They really have to sit down. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, is Miriam. You don't hear anything from the guy. Right. He hasn't given a press conference. He's hiding away. He is now under major, major pressure from sponsors. And we're talking about big sponsors, McDonald's, Anheuser-Busch. They don't want to be associated with the NFL right now because there's a lot of public heat going on. I think the NFL, Roger Goodell, and the owners, they're going to have to sit down and really do a Hezbollah Nefesh going on here, going into into Rosh Hashanah. And uh, they're going to have to sit back and take out a piece of paper and put the, the good and the bad on there and figure out what they have to start correcting. And then at that point, they've got to do some chuva, and they've got to make some changes, and they've got to they've got to sit down and figure out how to make things better. And I think that's what we have to do with uh, all of our lives, especially in Elul's month, and you know, try to be the best that we can be and, and see, take out that piece of paper and see where we might have faltered over the year and maybe where we could be doing a little bit better, where we can improve ourselves and how we can be better people going into the new year. And, uh, you know, we're so close. It's amazing. Can you imagine Rosh Hashanah right around the corner? Uh, we're literally less than a week away, and we're going to be in uh, in shul yep. uh, welcoming in the new year in front of, uh, you know, the master of the universe. And that's, uh, you know, that's a scary time. No, it's for a scary sure. scary time because we're being judged. And at the same time, the NFL players, and that goes to the Players Association also, all these people that are in it trying to make big bucks here, They've all got to sit down and say, hold on a minute, folks. We've got to get back to basics. And I think we have to do that with our lives in general as well. We have to get back to the basics and and take a look at ourselves and see where we can be better Jews. There's a, um, I don't know if you're a West Wing fan, but there's a West Wing episode in which they're discussing Erev Yom Kippur and how Jews and how we as Jews need to ask forgiveness for each from each other before 
we turn to God and ask forgiveness from him. And for the members of the of the West Wing, for the members of the president's staff, it's like a moment of reckoning where they look at each other and realize just how important that man-to-man repu- relationship and reputation is and how and how even even religion recognizes that 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 those are the fundamentals of of our day-to-day of our lives and our religion and our faith and our relationships and our families and and before we go to the higher authority for forgiveness we need to look at each other so i i wonder you know piggybacking off of what you're saying in terms of elul and i don't want to say that there is a silver lining to what's going on in the nfl but it does allow us to take a moment and say each one of these incidents was between two people who were supposed to be either in love or have love between each other, a father and a son, a fiancé and, and and her groom, and all these different moments that you should be protecting the loved one as opposed to being involved in some kind of physical aggression of any sort. So it allows us to take a moment and say, listen, if we look at sports figures, if we look at athletes, as heroes, and I use that term loosely because none of these 12 men and Derek Jeter belong in the same sentence. But if we look at them as people that we hold to higher esteem, then at least we should be able to say this is not something we need to emulate. This is not something we want to be. And we need to look at those behaviors and say not only are these real people who are, who are, who are fallible just like we are, but their behaviors are not acceptable. That's not who we want to be. Yep, I think that you said it best. Uh, you know, we want to try to be the best that we can be in a society that, unfortunately, is filled with, uh, you know, a lot of not so good, but it, there is a lot of good, and we can take the good with the bad, and we can take some of the questionable things and make them better um, by bettering ourselves and bettering the people next to us. could be the person that we, we daven next to in shul. It could be the person that we... We take the bus with every day mm-hmm. and we never know who that person was or the name of that person. Could be the the woman or man, elderly gentleman that lives down the hallway in your apartment building. And um, you know, there's something very special about simple simple people, simple Jews, and just getting back to basis and like you said earlier, just looking at each other and and saying to each other how we can be better. What can we do together as a collective and help uh, Am Yisrael, help society, tikkun olam, and, uh, and, and really be a light upon the nations. There was a, um, you know, all of these different sponsors have come out and are now dropping various athletes with their, with their contracts. And I know that mm-hmm. Nike, Nike the other day dropped um, Adrian Peterson and Anheuser-Busch, right. as you mentioned, came out, you know, from the NFL. And, of course, you know, there's something a little bit fishy about, the, about uh, you know, beer companies and, Etc. Casting aspersions on 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 other organizations, and we can deal with that another time. As a person who enjoys a beer every once in a while, there's something silly a little bit that that's going that's going on here. But I wonder if we if we go back for a second for this this idea of cheshbon hanefesh, and and we talk about looking at ourselves. Are these are these um, sponsors, in your opinion, looking at the bigger picture and saying there's a lot of public outcry, and therefore we should back off from these people or are they looking at them do you say and say these people with these characteristics are not people that we want to be associated with because clearly 
we have different values? I think that it may be a combination of both. I think it's more the the, uh, the former, where they're looking at the public outcry, and they want to go with uh, you know with what's right. So sometimes with what's right um, being forced upon oneself, then the latter of <laughs> your comments ends up happening. Right. Um, so they get forced into it in essence. It's the same thing with politicians. You go with the, uh, you know, you go where the winds blow well. That's where you want to go with. You don't want to be on the the opposing side of the of the street or the, you know, the opposing side of the uh, opposite side of the river banks. And you want to be with, uh, you know, w- with what is right or with what the public goes for. And in these cases, you're looking at these sponsors right now, and they're saying to themselves, with the public outcry going on to the NFL. They're going to attack us next, mm-hmm. meaning that Anheuser-Busch, how can you be putting in billions of dollars into this NFL machine where they cannot give proper guidance to their players and to their teams? And that's also right. another major aspect. Find the Minnesota Vikings today, and the owner, uh, Mr. Wilf, came out and had to make a statement of Adrian Peterson putting uh, on the extended leave list. They're getting no guidance right now. When you have the leader, and that is a, a vacuum of leadership, which is also another crucial aspect uh, in, you know, in, in a collective or in the Jewish people itself, we need leaders. We need strong leaders. And without strong leaders, unfortunately, the, the public or the people following them are, will falter at some point. Roger Goodell has to get up and lead. Uh, there's no question in this aspect, and he is not doing that. Hmm. And by him not leading, right. more questions are going to be coming up, and more issues are going to be there. Yeah, no. The same thing with you know, it's the same thing with uh, entering Rosh Hashanah. We need to look at our rabbanim. We need to look at the leaders of our community, um, and follow the follow them as representatives, as as uh, people that we want to look up to, that we value. We can find a lot of good people out there. Yes, there are some that are questionable and that are not great and so forth and so on. We can all write books on that. (laughs) But the bottom line is we should all find role models that we can emulate and use that to inspire us to be better people and better Jews. Well, I think same thing with the NFL here. They've got a, there's a vacuum of leadership. They need leadership right now and it's, it's not, it's nowhere to be found. Wow. Well, I could not say that better if I had said it myself in the same way you complimented me before. You took the words right out of my mouth. Josh Halleckman, the sports rabbi. You should follow him, by the way, Twitter. It's at the sports rabbi. Correct the word the is in there? Yes, it's at the sports rabbi. At the sports rabbi. Josh Halleckman, I wish you a ktivav chatimatova, a shanatova, all the best. And I look forward not only to having you on the air again, but to working with you on various projects this year. Kolaka vote to you. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Looking forward to it too. Shana Tova to all the listeners. And uh, make sure you keep Israel in your Israel in the forefront because Israel is an amazing country and wow. Um, where would the Jewish people be without Eretz Israel? You got it. We'd be nowhere, that's for sure. Thank Josh, thanks you so much. Take care, bye bye. Take care, bye bye. It's funny, I should have just mentioned the fact that there was an article, I think, in Haaretz about two uh, very well-known Israeli soccer players who went to a, um, who went to a Beit Avot, who went to a, a home for the aged in Israel to wish 
the oldest living Holocaust member in Israel, who I think turned 111 a happy birthday. I'm pretty sure that article was just posted. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam Elwag. Thank you for making us part of your day. Let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day so you know what to expect, what to look forward to, and what not to miss. We have a full afternoon of programming right after That's Life. It's the live lunch. Live lunch. Sorry about that. Hosted by Nachum Siegel from 11 to 1. We start with brunch. We end with lunch. And don't miss our new segment, Spotlight, what is wrong with me? As Mayor Furtick would say, I have new teeth. Spotlight Eichler's begins today at noon. We'll be featuring a new product and a new member of the team at Eichler's and Eichler's.com. So make sure to tune into that. And then at 1 p.m. is the Sun Show hosted by Leo Razamik, who interviews a number of different people about happiness and what it means to be happy. I want you to note, however, that one of her guests is a camper of hers from Camp Hask. Uh, it is a little difficult to hear that individual and a little difficult to understand that person at certain times during the interview. So I do ask you for your patience because it's certainly a worthwhile program to listen to. And then starting at 2 p.m., Throwback Thursday, encoring JM and AM from years past, a brand new, a brand new, wow, a brand new spin class with Michael Fragan starts at 6 p.m., Charlie Burnhout at 7, wrapping up today's lineup. Tune in all day long. Join Nachum from 6 to 9 tomorrow morning. As he hosts JM and AM live here on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, 91.1, 90.9, and 91.9 FM. Don't miss the weekly update with Malcolm at 7.40 in the morning. And, of course, table for two tomorrow morning with Naomi Nachman. Tomorrow, Naomi has on Naomi Ross, where they feature uh, different Jewish cooking concepts. And I think they'll be going over the Simonim for Rosh Hashanah, if I'm not mistaken, and different things that you can do at your Rosh Hashanah table. And, and of course, pair them with wines, because Jay Booksbaum from Royal Wines joins Naomi and Naomi as well. Shana Tova to all. An updated 2014 schedule is on our website, NachumSiegel.com. Click on the network schedule. And uh, I leave you today, folks, with Michal Przanski's Prey. Not only is it an appropriate selection for this time of year, but frankly, it's Danny's favorite song. Shana Tova to all. Touch base with you afterwards. That's life. Bye, guys. Everything you worked for comes undone You've hit rock bottom When all the answers asked for seem ignored Cause you never got them There's not a door you haven't tried But every key is locked inside Your faith is shaken to the ground When all the hope you cling to slips away You're treading water When desert winds are blowing sand astray Sun's getting hotter, the highest mountains block your view. The woods are deep, you can't see through. You're losing hope, you'll ever find your way.
brought you to your knees. It's all torn asunder when every morning starts with gentle breeze. But soon turns to thunder. There's not a cure you haven't tried. And every tear inside you cried. That's when it's time to find your way. Pray.